Gal, trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today, mother, author, military wife, and counselor, Karis Meyer, shares her story of pain, suffering, and not quite healing. Throughout Karis's journey, she has had to learn the purpose of her suffering and how to suffer well. She also shares with us her new book, Suffering Redeemed, Finding Strength to Endure Purpose in Pain and Hope for Tomorrow. Welcome back to the Unique on a Purpose podcast, where we travel to Virginia with Karis Meyer. Karis, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes, you are a wife. You're a mom of four, which I'm jealous. I always thought the two boy, two girl thing was like the perfect family. But I stopped after three because the third one just I was just done. I couldn't do it anymore. But you have this gorgeous family. You're a military wife, a counselor, and now an author, which we're going to talk about that your book here in just a few moments. But I want to know more about who cares is and your Jesus story before we begin. Sure. So I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. My parents are missionaries, so we lived some overseas, some did some mission work um, through colleges here with international students. But I got a very, very broad range of culture and Mm -hmm. experiences, which I think prepared me for military life, honestly, because we move around a lot now. So, So I kind of always I think I've, I've always felt like I've, I've believed in God and Jesus has been my savior since I was very young. I went through some, you know, challenging years in high school where I was exploring and kind of trying to figure out things for myself. And it was really after my freshman year of college where I thought, you know, um, I need to really make faith my own and kind of stretch myself. So I went to a Bible school in Costa Rica for a year. Mm-hmm. And that is where I think I really grew to love Jesus. And, and it wasn't just about, you know, rules and doing the right thing and kind of following in what I knew was right, but it was like a life-giving, spirit-filled relationship that I really gained that year. And also just really a heart for, for the for the lost and um, cause there was also missions involved in that. So that was a, a huge kind of turning point in my life that year. Shortly, well, after I graduated from college, I met my husband. Um, and how did you meet him? Did he, did he, did you meet him in Costa Rica? No. So he went to college with my sister at Wheaton oh. um, in Illinois mm-hmm. and she introduced us and took quite a bit of, <laughs> God, God things to work that all out because he was graduating and then moving to Alaska for his first military assignment. I was in Minnesota, but through some things, we got married and I moved up to Alaska and it was actually on our honeymoon where I started feeling really sick and I was like, oh, maybe it's just nerves. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe it's, it'll just pass, but I continued to get worse and worse, and then my husband got deployed to Iraq for 15 months, and during that time, um, I was just, I I continued to lose weight and couldn't, like, just couldn't eat. So it took many months for them to figure out I had um, a few different parasites that I picked up while I was visiting my sister in Pakistan the year before, Mm -hmm. 
So wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. You had visited yep. her a year before. How long did it take for the symptoms of the parasite to take hold or to show up? Yeah, so it was like five months. Really? Um, after the yeah, it's really interesting. So, so parasites. I, I've I've learned a lot about parasites. Oh, I bet. But they can um they can like kind of like hibernate or like be in you know like a forget the, the cyst mode or whatever. So it's not they're not active. And so, <gasps> anyways, it was it was just very bizarre. And the doctors up there didn't know what to do with me because the parasites that I had were very rare. And so they flew me down to Seattle, and I went through. All sorts of treatments, many antibiotics after antibiotic after antibiotic, and finally uh, was cleared. But by that time, I had just had so much damage internally, like or with different organs and intestinal, that I just was not recovering. And I kept thinking, you know, eventually, you know, I'll just get back to it because I've been very healthy, very mm-hmm. athletic. Just I was young; I was 25, and so I just. I wasn't used to living in a body where things just didn't work. <laughs> and you're doing this and, alone. Yeah. And so the whole process, I was alone. And my oh, husband man. was in a place where we couldn't, we talked maybe once a month. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, yeah, just very isolating. You know, I didn't know anyone when I, when I moved up to Alaska. So it was a very challenging time. But God, you know, that's, I'm so thankful because I already was very rooted in my relationship with Jesus. And I... I remember many times, like we had an apartment that looked out to the mountains and I just remember so many times just sitting in that chair and looking to Jesus and, and saying, God, I need, I need you to come through for me today. And so I'm just, again, I'm just so thankful that I had that foundation mm-hmm. to start with in this journey. And I did not know that it would be years and years and years that, that I would be walking this, but yeah. So in the beginning, so during that time, they also found a tumor in my pituitary gland that was causing issues. And it kind of just started this cascade of health issue after health issue. And the the doctors at the time told me that we wouldn't be able to have kids because of some different things going on. So was that tumor, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Was that tumor a part of the parasite or just on top of it? It was on top of it, oh, yeah, because they had they were doing some other tests, and in the process, they found that. So it was, it was just overwhelming for me, and all the 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 military medical system is very different than you know the traditional, and so it was. I wasn't used to seeing military like guys in uniforms, you know, in my doctor. <laughs> right. It was just so weird. I remember yeah. the first time walking in, and I was like, "You are a soldier, and you're my doctor. This is strange," but um. Anyway, so I'm kind of all over the place, but we, so he returned. Yeah, so we we were able to, like the first time we got pregnant, it was a huge miracle. And I was still going through a lot of health stuff, but God sustained me through the pregnancy. We continued to move. He was in jobs where we moved every one to two years. Mm-hmm. So it was just a lot of, a lot of transition constantly happening, which way made the medical process even more you know because I had to catch up every time we moved like explain everything to the new doctor and oh that. geez that was there was a few times where you know I had to be hospitalized mm-hmm. after my second one was born I just my heart was was not working function like it, it was like my heart rate was in the 30s and I was just my heart just wasn't keeping up with with everything going on and so there was a few times where it was it looked like, I don't know, God, like, am I going to, 
just remember laying in the hospital during that time. And my, my daughter was, my second daughter was six months old. And so all of a sudden I, I couldn't be with her and I was in the hospital and I, the, the verse from Psalm 73 came to me where it just says, you know, my heart, my flesh may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I think it was in that moment where I had already been sick for about 10 years by then where it was kind of like, okay, God, I have to take this to kind of a different level because, you know, it just kind of hit me that this wasn't just going to be something that, you know, I, I had such high hopes that, you know, anytime God can heal me, like I right. believe, I believe God is, is a healer. Like that's what he does. That's who, that's who he is. Yes. And, and I still believe that. Like I, I, I'm, I have never given up hope, but at the same time, I think I was kind of in denial for so many years. Like, this is not happening to me. This is not my life. I don't yeah. want to accept it, mm-hmm. you know, but there came a point where I was like, I kind of had to surrender and say, okay, God, my body is not my own. I have to give it to you. And I, I need to, I need to depend up. I need to learn to like depend upon you in a, in a whole new level. So I'll just stop there. Cause I know I've talked a lot, but that's kind of, no, it's it's really background. fascinating, but just so that I'm clear, you had this parasite, you took the antibiotics, it got rid of the parasite, but you're still suffering to this day because of the damage that it done, did to your organs. Am, am I understanding that correctly? So, yeah, and I did end up getting parasites two more times. Oh my I have, gosh. I have, I have family members overseas, several family members who are missionaries overseas, and so I think three years later after I went to Pakistan, I went to Malaysia and then I went back again. And each time I went back, <laughs> I happened to get parasites. And I think part of it was, I just, I'm I compromised already. And so yeah. that's what the doctors explained is that, so then that kind of set things back even more. And I had to go through more rounds and the doc, honestly, it's, I think the hardest thing is that there's not like a clear answer. They're not like this happened because of this. And, and so there's, it's not like a clear diagnosis. It's like, yes, we, we recognize that your pancreas is, is failing, but, but could, it could be connected to this or it could be just because your, your body, you know, just all our parts are so interconnected. So if this part isn't doing well, then this part is going to be over, you know, overused. And so that, that is where it has been so challenging because I get different answers from different doctors and they can make their guesses and they can try to fix this thing. And then it seems like something else would come up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And um, so that's just, yeah, that's just kind of the course it's been. And I'm, I mean, I don't have parasites currently. I've been clear of them for, I don't know, like probably seven years is the last time that I got it, but probably cause you um, haven't been out of the country. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, let's just stay here for a while. Right. Um, <laughs> You're banned from leaving the country. I'm talking with the author, Karis uh, Meyer, with Suffering Redeemed, Finding Strength to Endure Purpose in Pain and Hope for Tomorrow. So God has really taught you a lot through this suffering process. And really, that's kind of the direction that we're going today is, does God have a purpose for your suffering, Karis? That's a great question. It's one that I have struggled with immensely. You know, a lot of a lot of times through this, I have felt the, you know, just kind of 
felt like my suffering is meaningless. It seems like there's, mm. like in the Bible, you know, it talks about suffering for the gospel yes. and being persecuted for your faith. And I'm like, that is great. Like, that there's there's meaning, there's purpose, yes. or suffering for somebody else, like mm-hmm. for the sake of someone else. Like, that seems, but when it's like tragedy or illness or, you know, just seemingly meaningless suffering, I think it's more difficult to, yes. to find purpose, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and yet through this, I... Today, I can say I truly believe that God will not waste any of our suffering. If we're yes. walking in obedience to him, if we're surrendering our pain to him, I believe that God is glorified when we suffer well. And I, I, I'll talk about that some later. But when we, when we continue to offer up praise to him in the midst of, of places where we don't understand, of things where we say, God, this does not line up with how I think my life should be. And yet I'm going to continue to offer up, you know, it talks about in the word offering up sacrifices of Thanksgiving, offering up sacrifices of praise. And that the sacrifices that you don't feel like doing it. And yet we're still going to do it because God deserves it. And because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he deserves the glory. He deserves the praise because he is God. Um, and, you know, for me, I definitely have seen it, this suffering be a catalyst to, to, to drive me into a deeper dependence, which is not comfortable, but which is, I think where God wants us to be all the time is fully dependent upon him and the Holy spirit. When we are strong and, you know, feel like we can do it on our own. It's so much easier to live by our flesh versus by, by the Holy spirit. And I mean, you can look in the Bible and see God use God uses affliction many times in the lives of his people to draw him back to himself mm-hmm. and to show like, you know, God. And, and I mean, hopefully I don't think he does it like it in a, in a mean way, but he knows, he knows our hearts. He knows how easily we turn to other things versus to him. Um, and so that's another thing I think is just how it really creates this dependence and this desire for God I think another thing is just the personal personal sanctification that mm-hmm. comes through through suffering. Yeah, you know it really reveals the the everything inside. We can't when we're when we're in pain or we're when we're in suffering. I think it just brings to the surface these things that we can hide more easily when life is going well. Um, and I heard a pastor once talk about uh, the picture of like a jar with with water and then a bunch of sediment like dirt and then on the bottom. And when it's shaken up, kind of like suffering shakes up our lives. It's like all those things kind of get agitated and, mm. come, you know, kind of float around. And that's kind of what happens to, to us. At least I've seen that in my own life is like, wow, things come up and I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah. And we have this opportunity to bring it before the Lord and to be sanctified and to repent mm-hmm. in, in a way that is, beautiful if we're willing to to see it and then I'll just say one more thing as far as purposes is just the I think it really provides opportunity to see things more from an eternal perspective oh that's good you know when when life is going well and we have the things that are that are fulfilling us it's easier to be satisfied in the world it's easier to in I mean, God wants us to enjoy the good gifts he's given us. And that's very obvious because he's given us so many wonderful things. But more so, he wants us to to be set in our hearts and our minds 
of things that are above and thinking about what is eternal. And I think for me, it's too, I just, again, it's not an easy process and I don't think it's something I would say, oh yeah, I want that so that I can have a more eternal perspective. But through the process, I think as I have lost things that were really, like for me, you know, I, I was very athletic and I really enjoyed a lot of those things that I can't do now today or even like food. There's a lot of food that I can't eat and I can't enjoy. And those things, I mean, they're little things, but I think those are like little things that drive me to, Oh, I really am excited for heaven. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jesus. I'm really looking forward to a new body. I'm, you know, cause so it can, those little things can kind of give us a, an appetite for the eternal that, we realize it's not going to be satisfied here. You know, that's a really good point. I never thought about that, that the per- one of the purposes in our suffering is to give us that uh, heavenly anticipation. I mean, the Bible says that those mm-hmm. who anticipate heaven, they get that reward, that crown reward. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to get that because I'm, enjo- you know, I'm enjoying certain things here on this earth. But yeah, when you're going through that suffering, it makes you long for the things of heaven. And I also loved what you said about how in scripture, because I know that you are not the only one that has thought this. I have thought this too, is, well, my suffering really doesn't matter because it's not necessarily suffering for Christ, but yet God does still have a purpose in it. You used the term suffering well a few minutes ago. Now, what does that mean? Because (laughs) when you think about that term suffering well, the person suffering is like, I don't care. I don't care about suffering well, but... (laughs) <laughs> we need to suffer well if we want to persevere. How do we do that? I think my perspective has changed over the years, definitely. In the first several years, my the way that I did it was just to suffer as silently as I could. You know, I mm. thought to be a good Christian was just keep all my pain to myself. I don't want to be a burden to other people. I don't want to complain. I don't want to come across as, and just like you said, I felt like my suffering was so small compared to what most of the world experiences. So who am I to talk about my, you know, bodily ailments when, yeah. you know, there's just so much bigger things. And, you know, maybe it was out of pride or shame or fear or whatever that how it's come across. But um, I think I got to such a, a broken place in my spirit and my body and my everything emotionally that I, I had like, it, it, it had to change. And so part of that, I remember my sister, she told me at one point, like, you need to, you need to lament, like you need to, you need to learn to lament this, what you've lost through this suffering, through the sickness, because it, it affects every area of your life, Karis. And it's not, it's not something that you can just, you know, brush off and put a smile on every day, which I had been doing for so long. And it, it hit me like, that seems so strange. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to lament this. But mm-hmm. as, I, as I started to kind of do that in a way where, especially through the Psalms, where I was able to express to God, like, how, how hard things were and, and just learn to pour out my emotions in a healthy way and, and also receive from others and, and be vulnerable in my need it really, it really opened up a lot of um, opportunity first in me to, for me to grow in my relationship with God, but also for me to to grow in my relationship with others. I mean, even my husband, like I didn't, I would say I didn't share a lot with him because he was already going through a lot with 
the war and his his job and everything. And so mm-hmm. I I didn't share a lot with him. Um, so that's that's I think one thing is just learning to 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 healthily express emotion and to pour out our hearts. I mean, there's there's so many so many places in the Psalms where it talks about expressing and pouring out our hearts to God. And he, he's always there and wanting, he knows our hearts anyways, right? I don't think we can, we can't hide anything from him. So that's, that's one thing I think I've in the process of learning. Another thing is just the, there's so many, you know, if we live, I think learning to live and depend upon the promises of God is another thing that I ha- I had to learn how to do in a, I mean, I know we talk a lot about that in the church and, and, you know, the promises of God, but when you have to depend upon them in a very more real way, it, 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 it you know, they have to become real in a, and to me that was speaking them out, you know, memorizing them, and and starting to believe them more than all the other things, because I think when you're in suffering, it can consume you. It can become, it can become so big in your life, and mm-hmm. so because you're just it's it's like always there, and so you're yeah. just trying so hard to get out of it. But that can be such a trap because that becomes that becomes like your God. Then that becomes all that you're that you're focusing on versus what God has to offer. And there are so many things. I mean. I, I don't want to say it lightly, like, you know, like Romans eight twenty eight, God will work all things together for good for those who love him. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just throw things out there, you know, versus like, well, that's, that's true. But, but it is true. And how, and this, and the verse that comes after that is because he wants to conform us to the likeness of his son. Right. So mm-hmm. that those go together, like, and that's part of the process too. And we see in suffering too, that God uses that. So that's another aspect I think is just learning to take God's word and really live it out to a way where it's like our daily bread, like Jesus says. And I'll just share one more thing. I mean, there's so many different ways like we could talk about suffering well, but another thing is just having gratitude and not just like a positive mindset, like, you know, like, Oh, I'm just going to think positively about this, but really, really living in a place where we recognize um, all that we have. And I think there's been times when I have felt honestly, like, what do I have to be thankful for? Because mm-hmm. it feels like so much has been stripped. Yeah. And yet, and yet there is, there is, there is so much I have to be thankful for. There is so many things. I mean, even that God has kept me, trusting him that God has kept me in his hand that he's I mean I can look back and think of so many things that God has do has done in my life um and there's a verse that I just I love I'm gonna share it's it's Psalm uh, 149 4 to 5 and it says for the Lord takes pleasure in his people he adorns the humble with salvation let the godly exult in glory let them sing for joy in their beds and I just love that verse because if, even if you're constrained to your bed, which sometimes I have been or a hospital bed or whatever, we can still sing to joy for God. I mean, mm-hmm. to God, we can still, there's still reason to praise no right. matter what. And we, 
I think if we live in a culture where it's, I don't know, we don't, it's easier to kind of pick out the things, what, kind of like an entitlement, you know, like, oh, well, I deserve these things, and if I don't have them, then something's wrong, and I need to work until I get them, mm-hmm. versus like, you know, we we don't deserve I mean, really, we deserve death. I mean, Jesus died for our sins, right. but we don't we don't deserve anything, really. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, he has lavished us with more than, you know, we could ever hope or imagine Yeah. when we're looking at things from his perspective. So those are a few things. Mm-hmm. Now, you had, you had said how you kind of kept that suffering a secret, and not necessarily a secret, but you kept it to yourself. Oftentimes in our culture, we see the opposite, where people will look at their suffering and there's a part of them that doesn't want healing or doesn't want to um, have the suffering lifted because they see it as a badge of honor. Have you seen any of that or what the root of that is? Definitely. I, I completely agree with you. There's, I think there's almost a, you know, there's this victim mentality yes. or this, you know, there's it's almost like elevated, like, yes. oh, you're a victim. So we need to, we need to swoop in and mm-hmm. help you. And people, I think, gravitate to that because they're like, oh, I get attention. I have seen, yes, definitely how like a person's suffering or pain or tragedy, one thing can become their identity. And it's mm-hmm. something they, that they find that brings them attention from others. It, 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 like you just said, like a badge of honor, like this is one, and this is what I'm going to cling to because it kind of, forms so much of who they are and and also you know I think we can get comfortable in a place of of feeling like the victim and using it as an excuse to avoid what they don't want or to try to get what they do want Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's interesting I I was at a a bible study a few months back and there's a lady who who lived over, you know, she grew up overseas um, in Africa, and she was talking about how, basically how our suffering can become an idol when we focus Mm, on them more than we focus on God. And she Mm -hmm. had been raised, I mean, she she has probably one of the most difficult lives I have ever heard. I mean, just, you couldn't even imagine all the things she's been through. And yet she, she acts like she, is like the queen of whatever, you know, she's just like, she doesn't, I've never heard her complain. She's just like such a beautiful, like happy, just blessed person. And it just really stood out to me how, yeah, we, we can become so fixed on the, the suffering, the issue that over time that can take over, everything it can be yeah. it can take over our entire lives and, mm-hmm. and i mean god cares immensely about our pain obviously he he cares so much he sees he sees every tear you know he he keeps track track of of all of our tossings as it says in the psalms so he feels deeply with for us but but i think he also wants he wants so much more than i think what we could make of you know whatever we're going through and he wants us to look to him versus getting stuck in that whatever what do you call it? issue tragedy whatever mm-hmm. fiction so i agree I, I like what you said that it can become our idol i think that there is a portion of people that they enjoy their suffering in a sense because it has become their identity and then if god heals me what's my identity 
now. It's almost safe in the suffering. I don't know. That's just kind of what I've observed. But let's let's pivot a little bit because I want to talk about your book, Suffering Redeemed, Finding Strength to Endure Purpose in Pain and Hope for Tomorrow. What led you to write this book? I mean, obviously, you've gone through a lot with health, but then on top of your health issues, you thought, oh, I'll write a book about it. Yeah, no, it was not my idea at all. I I would never have written a book. It was, it was <laughs> I mean... I was, this was about um, almost six years ago. I was, it was in the middle of the night and I, I woke up one of those times I just wake up and I just really felt like God was saying, start writing. And that was at a time where I was, I was probably at the lowest point I had ever been at in a lot of different ways. But physically I had just started having these new symptoms with neuropathy, which now I know is from Lyme disease, but I, I, and I ended up in the hospital because I couldn't walk. I couldn't feel my legs or my, or my arms. And it was just a very frightening time. But, but, and so I was like, what am I going to write about? I, I do not want to write. And I, so I just, I just kind of put it off for a while, but God just kept prompting me. And so I did, I started writing in a journal, basically like just what God was speaking to me, my wrestling with questions, wrestling with my like doubts and struggles and, and just a lot of, a lot of hard stuff basically. And, um, I, I think it was shortly after then that I started a Facebook group called suffering well. And then a couple of years later, I started a blog at the beginning of 2022. Again, I felt God's prompting to, to put it into a book, which at the time, you know, I was like, I have no idea how to write a book. I don't, mm-hmm. I never thought of myself really as a writer. I mean, I always enjoyed writing. And for me, the the writing had become very therapeutic. I think I, I processed things well through writing. And so it was, it was a great benefit for me to be able to process what I was going through. And, but I was like, I, I had lots of content that I had written over the years. I did not expect to share that with the world. Like I did not expect to, so most of what I, what I wrote and most of what the book is was things that I had written just for myself, not right. necessarily, like I wasn't, I didn't know I was writing a book. And so it was really hard for a while for me to get to the point where I was like, okay, I, I'm willing to kind of share this, you know, just expose myself in some ways. Cause I'm, you know, it was, it's not like I'm in a place now where it, I'm past it and I'm, all good to go. I'm still, I'm still in this place of, of struggling. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, so it was a process then of, of learning how to basically, yeah, how to put a book together and how to publish it and all those <laughs> details. And then I realized that I needed to promote it if anyone was going to buy it. And then I was like, Oh, wow, that's not what I want to do. So it's been interesting to, <laughs> yeah, writing a book is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a whole other animal, a whole new world. But it's, it's I, you know, I read through some of it and wow, what a great opportunity to be able to help other people who are going through suffering and sharing your story and also how to help people like you talked about earlier, suffering, suffering well, but you call it suffering redeemed. And I'm assuming it's redeemed because you see our suffering as a part of the bigger picture as a part of God's story, as a part of his gospel story. I mean, is that why you put redeemed in there? 
Definitely. So I, chapter seven is, is titled The Big Picture, and in that picture I, I talk about how we need to believe that there is a greater purpose and plan in our own lives. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you ask most people in the world about, I mean, there's been philosophers talking about suffering for ages, right? And every religion has their own, you know, reason for why they're suffering and different ways they handle suffering. But when we look, and I think, you know, it's, it's so easy to see our circumstances without the perspective of God's bigger plan, because it's like our lives. So that's what, that's what we know. That's, what we're walking that's what we see but it's in that chapter two I talk about you know Jeremiah 29 11 which um, you know a lot of people quote and it's you know for the for the plans I I for I know the plans I have for you to declare the Lord plans mm-hmm. for welfare and not for evil to give you a hope in future but it's so interesting because that verse is is like in the midst of these other verses that talk about just how hard the exile is going to be and they have 70 more years to go. And it's, it's like, there's a lot of hardship that is still to come in the midst of the goodness that God is going to bring at the end of that. But we don't really think about those 70 years that they still have to endure before God brings his promises to fulfillment. And I think sometimes that's how our lives are too. We, We expect to get to the good part and not have to walk through the difficult the difficult and there's there's just there's there's nowhere that the bible promises that things are going to be good but we do know that god is the redeemer i mean that's one of jesus's names and that's what he does in our lives like he mm-hmm. redeems he will redeem every part of our lives you share in the book that it says when suffering comes you have two choices you can either choose the path of bitterness or you can choose the path of maturity. And I do, as someone who's worked in ministry, I have seen that a lot where people will choose the path of bitterness, but there are those that say, I really want to choose the path of maturity. What ways can we turn away from bitterness and push toward maturity? I know it's part of suffering well, but there is that part that says, man, I could really cling to bitterness right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's something I... I have had to struggle with a lot too, because I, you know, we, I think we tend to think, Oh, life should be fair. And I should, <laughs> we can look at other people and say, Oh, why isn't my life like theirs? Or I don't deserve this. You know, yeah. we tend to think like you get what you deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you are handed something that you don't feel like you deserve, yeah, it's hard to just accept it. But I think one of the key things is to stay is just humility and to mm-hmm. recognize that we don't know, like, I don't know why God hasn't healed me and he's healed other people that I know. I don't know. I don't know why God does some things or allows some things. And just have this humility to say, God, I don't understand, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trusting in you and listening to your voice, listening to what you are saying and how you are leading me, conforming our hearts and our minds to his will you know, because I mean, there's there's so many things that talk about how God's God. He's just he's just so much greater. He's just so beyond our comprehension. So that's that's one thing. And then I think another thing where is just considering, like where Paul talks about considering all things mm-hmm. lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. So if we if we recognize that our suffering has the potential to bring us into a deeper fellowship with Jesus, 
do we do we really consider everything else that we could be enjoying, that we could be whatever going through as lost compared to knowing Jesus, which really is is the ultimate, even though, even though sometimes it's hard for us to believe that or to feel it or to experience it, God knows that that is, that is what we really are longing for. So instead of, I think we have a choice every time we're in the, in that, in that place of like, we can turn towards God and, and like a, a, in a place of humility, or we can kind of have a, a heart, our hearts can be hardened and we can turn away from God and say, no, God, this is, this is too hard. This is, you're, you're not, you know, is this, this is just too hard for me basically. And so, but, but God is so gracious. And I think he gives us, you know, he's, he gives us so many opportunities to keep turning back to him. Yeah. The book is called suffering redeemed, finding strength to endure purpose in pain and hope for tomorrow. So make sure you head on over to amazon.com and grab your copy. Karis, thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up? I just, I think just what I was just saying is that God is, he's just so over the top loving and always available. He's a very present help in our time of need. And, and the comfort that we can receive from him is infinite. It's so, it's so wonderful. I would say just keep, keep turning back to God and no matter how far or how long or whatever the suffering is or where you are in the journey is Mm -hmm. that God is. He's always ready to to receive us. He's yeah. always willing. You know, he's just he's there. He's mm-hmm. ready to ready for us. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Kara, so much for being here today. I appreciate it. And again, check her out, Suffering Redeemed, Finding Strength to Endure Purpose in the Pain and Hope for Tomorrow. And make sure you give her a follow on Facebook as well as Instagram. Thank you, Kara. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of are struggling today. Maybe pick up a copy of Suffering Redeemed. You will find it in the show notes. It's finding strength to endure purpose in pain and hope for tomorrow. Rest assured that there is a purpose for your suffering. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on a purpose. You are loved and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next time.